Great morning, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Thank God for Monday. I'm Brother Greg Cellini of the Franciscan Brothers of Brooklyn in the Office of Mission, Ministry, and Interfaith Dialogue at St. Francis College, beautiful Brooklyn, New York. My great pleasure to be back again with you today. The purpose of our show, Thank God for Monday, is to inspire you, our audience, to take personal responsibility for your professional satisfaction. We want to provide you hope, healing, and peace in these unprecedented, turbulent, uncertain times. Motivate you to search deep inside yourself in the quest for fulfillment. Listeners, it's really up to you as to how to utilize the information we provide today. Take full accountability for the decisions you make and a resulting outcome. Now, one of the goals of our show, thank God for Monday, is to introduce role models. Role models of people who take very bold steps in their work lives. This is a very special month, the month of January, which is designated as National Mentoring Month. As such, we are honored today to have with us a very, very special guest. Her name, is Amy Find Reeves. Amy, founder and chief executive officer of Job Coach Amy, graduated cum laude from Wellesley College and has an MBA from the very prestigious Tuck School at Dartmouth College. Since 2012, she has enjoyed following her passion of sharing what she learned during more than two decades as a hiring manager. Great morning and welcome to Thank God for Monday, Amy. Thank you so much, Greg. I'm thrilled to be here. Ah, uh, the honor is ours. And I should have also mentioned when introducing you, you are the author of this incredible book, College to Career Explained tools, skills, and confidence for your job search. And we're going to talk more about this book during this next half hour, certainly. It is an honor to have you with us today on Thank God for Monday. Kindly share with the audience and me from what city and state you are speaking from this morning. I am speaking to you from Osprey, Florida, where I'm currently visiting some family, although I am a longtime resident of Boston, Massachusetts, and a native of Mendham, New Jersey, uh, and um, a Jersey girl at heart. (laughs) Well, I could say you being in Florida on this kind of dreary Saturday morning, you've made the listeners and I very, very jealous. I am I am I am quite um pleased to be here for a few more days. Thank you. <laughs> Sadly, Amy, we've only got 30 minutes. We're gonna jump right into the deep end of the pool. We got a lot to talk about. The statistics say that less than half of all college students take advantage of campus career services. I spent over 10 years in our St. Francis College Career Services. Recently, we had the director of Seton Hall on, thank God, for Monday, Jorge Rivera. Why do less than half of all college students take advantage of these great services? I have a theory, which is that I think uh, kids get very intimidated 
by not knowing at all what they may want to do. And to me, what I'm working on combating, and I have a, a chapter in a new release of my book coming out where I try to explain it because it is extremely hard to explain what jobs there are. And I'll start with the reason why people don't talk about what jobs there are, because it's very hard to talk about the job that you're doing. And you don't want to talk about the job that you're doing when you're not doing it. It tends to take a lot of background explanation that and use a lot of language that only people you're working with can understand. Secondly, you don't know about that many jobs because you know, you see what kind of jobs that there are on TV. And it's kind of hard to get a job as a political fixer. And you may not want to be a lawyer and you may not want to be a pop idol and you may not want to be a uh, doctor. So there's not a lot left to introduce what else there is, which is 98% of the bulk of jobs available to college grads. So not knowing anything is kind of like being a deer in the headlights. And I will tell you, some of my clients come in and they will, we start with, I'll say, what do you think you want to do? And a lot of the answers tend to be, I think I want to wear high heels and maybe travel for work. And I said, great, you're here. That's the first step. So a big part of what I try to help people with is just basic analysis of figuring out what jobs there are. And jobs are everywhere. And there's a chapter in my book where that mirrors the work I do with individual clients where I say, what's the last thing you bought? And inevitably, it may be a cup of coffee and it may be something at Old Navy. So I go through in depth how many jobs it takes to bring you a cup of coffee. And I usually say, what do you think the most important job is at a, for example, Starbucks? And they usually say barista. And actually, the most important job at Starbucks is the is in real estate. And it's the guy who stand, or pers- woman who stands outside with a clicker on a potential piece of real estate and counts the number of feet walking by to say how many people walk by, because that's the biggest indicator of how many people are going to stop in to buy a cup of coffee. And it's all about the volume. Then we think about, OK, there's somebody who designs the interior. There's somebody who purchases all the elements of the interior. There's somebody who builds out the interior. There's somebody who designs the menu boards. There's somebody who looks at the analytics of who's buying what. Do we want to buy more of this particular blend or less of this particular blend? Do we want to retire this blend? What kind of um, coffee knickknacks do we want to sell in a store? Do we want to sell this particular type of uh, mug? Uh, what kind of music do we want to play? Do we want to sell the music? And all the way back, Starbucks happens to be backward integrated to actually owning the beans. And that means an incredible amount of complex logistics for uh, getting the beans selected, ground, transported, international logistics. So if you think about how many jobs there are that bring you a cup of coffee, there's tons. And you can think about that with any kind of item that you purchase, anything you see walking down the street, there is architects, there's urban planning, and just getting your mind set on that. So really, um, uh, what I'm trying to do, and I'm working 
working, doing some professional development webinars with career development officers to help break that down and help students understand that so that they can get that across to students and make it seem less scary. Because really, I love business. I always have. I'm fascinated by it. There's always more to learn. But it starts with being able to think about what companies do and how companies, how individuals contribute to what companies do. And one of the things that I share on my social media and in my book is how to talk to people about how to, so they explain what they do in a way that you can understand. And there's three key questions, if you don't mind my continuing to go on this track. This is so enlightening for us. Okay, good. So um, one is uh, there's, there's every, every organization has a customer, they have a market and they have a competition. They have competition. So a way to kind of backdoor into figuring that out is to ask an individual, who's your customer? And how does your company make money by providing value to that customer? And how do you as an individual contribute to helping your company make money by serving that customer? And those are three questions that most people are able to answer without using a lot of jargon and to think about it in a high level in ways that people can understand. And I'll tell you, I, I've spoken at uh, uh, health resorts like Cannon Ranch and places where I'll, I'll host an evening where I'll say, come and I can explain to you what your spouse, what your sibling, what your child does for a job and they're packed and it's almost like a party <laughs> trick where you say you know what is you know what's the name of the department your person's in and what's the name of the company and I can go through it and, and actually explain it and say what their goals are and what their stressors likely are and people say oh that's right and that trickles into everything and including why kids feel like business is a black box and why the idea of visiting a campus center, they feel as though everyone knows something but them. But in fact, nobody really knows. And it's where it's why I'm passionate about this. It's a weird passion and it's a weird lifelong hobby, but it's one that really drives me. And it's why I love doing what I do and why I wrote the book. Not weird at all. That's for sure. And again, we're so blessed to have someone of your ilk, Amy, today on Thank God for Monday. Now, it is certainly January National Mentoring Month. Why is mentoring so important for college students? And how can someone really find a right mentor? So I think there are college students and, and anyone at any professional level can find a mentor anywhere they look, in, in uh, unofficially. And by that, I mean that most people, especially in business situations or college students when they're in class, they're worried about how they're presenting themselves. If I ask that question, will I sound stupid? How do I look today? Um, you know, am I present? What are other people thinking about me? And if you could tone that down a little bit and watch how other people are presenting themselves, how other people are acting and interacting, how are they communicating? How are they making you feel? Are they are you understanding what they're what they're saying? Are they making other people feel good? Um, are in a business situation, there's often split second decisions that you wouldn't have time to ask a mentor about, such as I don't have time to do this the way I would like. And I can either with my colleague be fast or I can be kind. 
and one will help the client. One will help my career. I have to make a decision very fast. And in all of those situations, you can look to other people to see what they do. They will do um, represent exhibit behaviors that you can choose to adopt or reject. You can make a mental note of, wow, I interacted with this person. They made me feel great. Those are That's how I want to be. Or wow, that person just confused me. I absolutely do not want to be like that. So unofficially, there are mentors everywhere. Um, officially, it's very, very difficult to ask someone to be your mentor because the person will freeze up and be like, what, what does that mean? Am I going to have to take this person out to dinner? Am I going to have to take them to lunch? What are they going to be asking of me? However, you know, that old sign, that old adage where you can't, you can't, if you put a frog in boiling water, it'll jump out. Yes. But if you put a frog in water and you heat the, heat it up a little bit, that's a really good way to think about a mentor. So um, if you ask somebody, here's an issue that I'm having, uh, and you have to be careful, it's not political, it's not should I stay with the company or go? Should I move to this division or not? But something more simple as though I'm having an issue with this particular work stream. What do you recommend that I do? Then slowly over time, you can build a relationship with someone and suddenly you have a formal mentor. And it's not just for the big hairy questions where you knock on the oak door in the corner office and poke your head in. It's It can be every day and it can be from lots of people. Oh. That is so, so enlightening and so helpful, certainly. Now, one of the things we try to do here, and thank God for Monday, is match people, in particular college students, with their skills. So this is a very important question as well, please. How can students, college students, learn about what careers may be out there for their skills? Is that possible, even? That's a great question. And I would say it. It first is to start with what you really enjoy doing. And I dislike the the idea that somebody has to find a passion at 22 or 32 or 42, because that's a really hard thing to hang on somebody at any age. What I do like is finding something that satisfies you. So if you are, and what I do is, what I like to ask people is, what when you have something on your schedule for a day when you wake up and say this is going to be a great day i'm collaborating with other students i'm working on spreadsheets i'm um finishing a research paper that was really fun to write those are the things that you want to think about and i guarantee this is a second point that you have life skills that businesses want, regardless of whether you've had cool internships or, you know, stuff done something in an office. So whether or not it's on a job description as a something that they're a skill that they're looking for, every hiring manager everywhere at every level is looking for these three things. They want someone who has attention to detail. And guess what? If you have worked on a research paper and done well or followed uh, sports statistics and gotten them published or you know started a sports statistics game that's paying attention to detail one is being well organized and guess what if you have a decent gpa and kept a part-time job and you know worked for a club that's staying well organized on top of things and bring it to the forefront why not brag about it 
And the third one is to do well under pressure in a, in a maybe high pressure time environment or demanding environment. And if you've worked on sports and if you, there's a lot of other ways, if you've been a waiter or a waitress, all those things mm, matter. Yes. So a lot of kids feel like, oh, I don't have an internship, this and that. Really having a cup, if you have folded, what, what, as a hiring manager, if I see somebody come in with a fancy internship, it tells me they're connected. But if they've done something with that internship, great. If they've nailed a project, if they've done something to push the organization forward, that tells me they're actually workers. If they come in and they've, you know, folded sweaters at the Gap and worked at a wait at a, um, you know, a restaurant at night, and uh, you know, paid for part time at their school and worked in the cafeteria, that tells me they have a great work ethic. So whatever you've done, and even you know, building relationships with other people, so working with clubs, working with you know, um, uh, being somebody who is you know on their social chair of a fraternity or sorority, that tells me that you're great at work with people and everybody wants that so oh. i can't remember your original question but oh right. how to find skills so yeah, yeah. so um great great advice is to have a good. blend to there you've answered it beautifully and now if i may let's say hypothetically i'm a rising senior mm -hmm. i'm an english liberal arts history political science religion major i've got no idea what to do when i graduate would you have some advice for me please yeah, absolutely. So there are three things. All, all, everything I do um, is based around uh, sim three simple uh, premises. The first is that you get into an interview and you need to prove that you understand what a job is, uh, what you would do in a job. The second is you need to match the skills that you have um, gained to date and you can apply them to what you would be doing in the job. And the third is that you want the job. And that's often the most important because I can tell you in all of the many, many dozens and dozens of people that I've hired, it would it would come down to this. We'd we would bring in, you know, eight people for a first round interview, maybe five people for a second round interview, three people for a third round interview. And I would get my team around a table and say, okay, guys, what do you think? Which one should we give the job to? And everybody would say, nah. They're all kind of the same, but um, this one wants it the most. And the job would always oh, go to the person who wow. wants it the most. So to answer your question more specifically, I would say people need to understand what companies and jobs there are and what they could do, what is appeals to them in what they would like to do. So thinking about, there's an exercise in my book where we go through, you know, what is it that you think you are good at doing? And what is it that you like doing in your everyday life? Wow. And what does that tell you about, you know, what you might like doing in an everyday life, even though you don't know anything about what jobs there are? And then think about what companies are out there that might have jobs for you where you would do things like that. So for example, if you're really good at staying in touch with people and you maybe like, maybe you're interested in going into sales. It's You don't just have sales, but that's one thing. If you're really well organized, there are jobs where you start in various industries, like where it, organization is very big part of your daily life. So um, there are, it's really, once you understand how to read a job description and how to think about what a company actually does, and they, they don't make it easy for you. A lot of websites will say, um, 
you know, we're we're a sustainable producer of materials that help um, help individuals stay abreast of all of their movements. And you, then you look on Wikipedia, <laughs> and it's it's a box company. <laughs> so they don't always make it easy for you. But once you understand what a company does, and you think, oh, that's something that I might you know, okay, the job sounds interesting. And, you know, maybe it'd be cool to learn about, you know, what, what it takes to move people around the country. So, um, or how you sell boxes. So that's one way to do it. And the, the biggest, the biggest help is to talk to people and, 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 and I call it soft. There's a difference between soft networking, networking, and, and really that's another thing that kind of makes people scared is that they think networking is some, big, important, scary thing that you have to do in a suit at a cocktail party. And it's not, it's just talking to people, but with the goal of saying, can I stay in touch with you? If, a, if, a, um, if I have questions about what you do, or if a job comes up at your company, could I send you a resume that you would forward internally? And that's actually a really good thing for the person too, because today a lot of people will get, if, if, I, if you sent me your resume to my company, Greg, and uh, I forwarded it and you got hired, it's likely I would get a bonus, a cash bonus of some wow. sort, because it would be cheaper to get an employee referral than to get it from, uh, than to pay a recruiter. Damn. So um, wow. nobody should be afraid of networking. And again, uh, in my book and on my website, there are tools for how to structure a networking interview and, and what questions to ask. So um, that's another thing I'm really passionate about getting kids to get over their fear of just like going to the uh, career development office. Oh, you're wonderful. You're such a great Franciscan, Amy, because you free <laughs> people. I could sense that already in just a short time we've been talking this morning. Now, speaking of resume, there are some people who feel cover letters, resumes, they're a thing of the past. I have not found that, but I'm very curious. You're the expert. Are they indeed a thing in the past? And if they're still needed, what would make cover letter and resume effective, please? Yeah, I I don't know how you get by without them. Um, I mean, they're your they're your signature, they're your story. I don't know any. Com I I don't think they're like sta standardized tests going away. Yeah, uh, resume and cover letters going away. No. Um, the thing to remember about them is that. Uh, the average recruiter looks at them for 7.2 seconds. That's a LinkedIn study from uh, a couple wow. of years ago. So you really have to make an impact and you have to make it fast. The biggest mistake with cover letters I see is that kids write them like they write a term paper. They're very thoughtful. They write very, very long stories about themselves. Um, that's not the best way to do it. First of all, the, um, the a cover letter is effective when it's templated when the first paragraph is about why, how you can add value in the role. So a, a fundamental shift is that many students feel like, like they present themselves, here's why I'm great. But a cover letter and a resume, a cover letter particularly is, here's how I can be great for you. Oh. So thinking about how, okay, so not just here's why I'm great, here's how I can add value specifically in the job that you have advertised. Use the keywords because oftentimes it's you don't get to a pair of human eyes until you get past a pair of ocular readers or some sort of AI tool. Then the, the body of it, just bullet points with the strongest points from your resume summarized so that if that's all somebody sees instead of looking at their resume, 
And then that's all they see. Then they see the strongest points. Then the a third paragraph that talks about why you want to work for the company. And that should be something from their website. Companies put on their website what they're proud of. So put on the bottom, you know, I really want the, the top part is why I want to work for this, why I want this job. Middle part, why I'll be good at it, are threes. And the last part, here's why I want to work for the company. And that's, you know, you have really cool clients, you're in a really cool segment, your goals match my values, it's something like that. The resume, sometimes people look just at the cover letter and I say, always write a cover letter because it's a second chance to make a first impression. So if you have the opportunity to write a cover letter and talk about why you want the job, always do it. With a resume, it's also, you can't write, you need to have, you know, make it easy to read. So white space, bullet points, um, anything that uses a summary. I often use a, a summary sentence at the top that summarizes a story. So, you know, June 223 grad or recent grad, you know, with um, great quantitative analytical skills, seeking to find a role in social media industry, something like that. Beautiful. I like putting the skills up front. So if you have Python, if you speak Spanish, if you, you know, whatever you have, make that front and center. Wow. If you have a GPA over three, put it on. Um, write, you know, in your internships or in your projects, don't write what you did, write what you accomplished. So don't say that you did filing, that you, you know, did administrative work, say that you changed a filing system to make the process easier, or you had 100% success rate uh, in the, in the um, never messed up a single order, 100% rate in the waitressing job you have, or, um, and use as many numbers as possible. So, you know, um, worked with data sets to, you know, up to, you know, in my thesis, I worked with, um, you know, database of 10,000 files and reorganized it. So any, anytime mm -hmm. you have a number, I, I always tell my clients, I'm going to ask you probably a hundred questions. And if you can answer three, we're in great shape, but you know, really, really dig in. And everybody I've ever worked with has had a lot more to brag about than they, than they realized. Wow. Oh, these are such great tips. We could talk all day, Amy said. We <laughs> just have about five minutes but I do have a couple of important questions for you. People are talking about recession 2023, a little later this year. Do you think the job market for new grads will be adversely impacted by the economy this spring and summer? And if so, is there anything that our class of 2023 could now do to prepare possibly? What I want the class of 2023 to remember is that there are always good jobs for good people. So there are the layoffs in tech were not necessarily to the core businesses. So yes, they uh, a lot of the layoffs came with talent acquisition people because they they were staffing up so quickly and so in such a large scale that they scaled back on their hiring. A lot of them came from the cost centers, which was in marketing. So marketing um, uh, is a, a, a uh, well, I shouldn't say marketing is a cost center, but things that don't necessarily reflect revenue production. So the engineers weren't necessarily affected. Anybody that lent to revenues, were, but things that were related to helping the company grow significantly, which they maybe were doing too quickly. And also, whenever something bad in the economy happens, it's good for another company. So if there is... Um, 
you know, a if there's a, a breach in data security and people are really worried about the cloud and their data online and and cl um, uh, cloud-based stocks go down, cloud security stocks go up because people want to invest in new generations of security. So it's always a balance and it's not necessarily something that's going to affect um, the younger people coming out, and it's not necessarily going to affect somebody one-to-one. -one. So I, I, I don't want anybody to be discouraged because they absolutely have a lot to offer. And they absolutely, every company needs young minds to train and grow up in their industry. So I don't want anybody to be discouraged. I, I, I What I do want is for them to really focus on what they want to do because that it show as i said you know the most important question anybody will be asked is um why do you want this job and you want to have an authentic answer and you want to have a, a, a genuine answer and you want to really be enthusiastic because it does make a difference so start with don't start with what can you get start with what you want and a trap that a lot of kids fall into too is well I can't get the job that I really want that's on a professional track. So I'm just going to take this job that's that's $13 an hour and that'll be fine. And then they don't get the $13 an hour job because everyone knows that they're going to quit in a few months as soon as they get the job they really want. Oh, and then it's wow. kind of a spiral. So they feel even worse about themselves. So that's a trap I beg people to avoid. And um, really just focus on what it is that you want and doing the research on specifically why you want the job and why you want the company. And it'll make things go a lot easier. And if I can, oh, I think we're almost done with time, but I'll, if I can say one more thing, if you think about it, um, if you have, you know, let's say, um, Greg, that the, the situation is reversed and you're a new grad and there are more jobs available than people. So you get 50 letters a day from companies begging you to work for them. And 48 of them are like, here's why we're great. Here's why you should come work for us. And two of them say, Greg, we know your values are very strong and you want to do something that will help the planet in a kind way. So our here's how our job specifically will do that. And we know you love Brooklyn. So here's why we no are, aren't those the two that are gonna you're absolutely. gonna absolutely they're going right on top of the pile exactly so that's why I'm saying it's important for kids to specifically say why they want a job why they want a company they'll go right to the top of the pile oh that is absolutely brilliant most important question we've saved for last Amy from where can our loyal listeners purchase college to career explained. How can they best follow you, please? <laughs> um, I am on all the social media sites as Job Coach Amy and TikTok Job Coach Amy uh, underscore and uh, Job Coach Amy F on Twitter. And uh, the book is available on all major online sites, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, uh, Target and Apple Books. Listeners, no excuse. You have plenty of opportunities to follow Amy. Also, she has shared the good. As I said, she's a wonderful Franciscan who shares the good. We as Franciscans now must share the good. Get out and buy at least one copy for yourself. I recommend more. <laughs> multiple copies. Give them as gifts. Okay, the holiday season, maybe it's come and gone. But graduation is not that far away. And actually, for anyone who's graduating 2023, this would be a fabulous book now. Not in May or June. Now. So please get out there, buy a couple of copies, spread the good, just like Amy has done with us this morning. 
Amy Vonries, we can't thank you enough for being our special guest today. Thank God for Monday. Yes, we've been enlightened. Much more, we've been inspired. This is going to be a very fabulous 2023. The tips, the processes, et cetera, you've explained this morning are going to go a long way to the 2023 grads and all of us to have better work lives, more productive, positive, and fun in our workplace. So again, many, many thanks. All the best to you for continued great contribution in this terrific work that you're doing. Thank you so much, Greg. Much appreciated. Listeners, guess what? Once again, we're out of time. Greg saying our hope and prayer is that when you wake up on Monday morning, just like Amy does, you'll say, thank God for Monday. Until next week's episode, have a great week, everyone. Bye-bye. <laughs>